When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live on SEN Track, welcome to Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington and Steve Cleave. Good morning, puppies, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and germs. Jaybon back, uh, and you can tell that the four weeks off has not uh, cured my voice. So um, that's uh, that's the first bit of housekeeping we're going to get through. Uh, Tom Bang, who is that? I like that song. Power waves, right? Yeah, very popular coming to Australia. Everyone's coming to Australia at the moment. Um, Steve Cleave, great to catch up with you. First time in a long time. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, Jay Bond, and you, mate. You should be all refreshed and ready to go again. Oh, yeah, no, I haven't been doing any work at all. I've still been doing about four days a week. I don't, I don't even know what I, <laughs> If that were called holidays, I'm not, I've got to work it out, I think. Um, let's do a catch-up. What, what's been going on in your life? Obviously, we'll talk about the Miracle Mile on Saturday night. I'm going to try and get Andrew Patrick Gath on at midday, but he is currently en route on the way back. So um, if we can find him at a location where he's got some phone reception, away we will go. But it's a retrospective edition, of course, a little bit later on. But first of all, how are you my, in terms of the little one and, and what's gone on in the last month? Uh, yeah, it's been a busy month, mate. We're doing great. The little fella, Hugo's doing fantastic. He's uh, just past seven weeks now. So he's uh, he's starting to really change and and become a little bit more interactive, which is uh, it's it's great fun. So it's great to have him uh, have him around us, and uh, we've also got our new house just being built. The uh, builders are putting the frames up today as we speak. So uh, very exciting times. Yeah, outstanding. That first little uh, period with when the uh, when the baby comes home. I mean, let's be really clear: it is a living being, but you're basically <laughs> dealing with a potato, aren't you? I mean, like you're dealing with a bowl of custard. Just yeah. try, just try not to drop it. Basically, is that. Making sure you can uh, you can wake up in the middle of the night and just trying not to do anything to cause the baby harm is about all you can do in the first little bit. Yeah, no, that's spot on. There's uh, not much going on but uh, sleeping and eating. So uh, yeah, he's uh, he's sort of getting part at stage now. He's he's giggling and smiling and uh, really interacting, and uh, it just melts your heart. Pretty amazing, isn't it? That's the way we start. Then you go out and have a life, and then you end up at our age, Cleveland. You go back to the start again, where it's mostly just sleeping and eating, um, and a little bit of work in between. <laughs> um, uh, only eight races on Saturday night at, at Melton. Look at that, right? Melton, just Melton. Uh, so we'll talk about those. There were some good performances, uh, and what did you make off the top? Uh, the Miracle Mile. A couple of the races Saturday night were probably um, a little bit less exciting than we would have hoped. It was a good miracle. It was, it's been a pretty amazing um, progression between Catch a Wave and Captain Ravishing. Where Catch a Wave, uh, I think everyone's wanted to sort of. Ju- There's been a couple of um, 
enough bags, I think, that have jumped on and, and are thrilled for some reason to see Captain Ravishing beaten a couple of times in a row. Uh, but basically, we went through a period where catch a wave, what people forget is we were talking about catch a wave almost like he was Captain Ravishing, you know, six or 12 months ago. We were talking about him as clear and away the most exciting young horse in the land. Then Captain Ravishing said, hold my beer for a while. And now catch a wave has said, hold my sparkling wine. That's pretty much how it's worked. Yeah, it certainly has. He's he's really come of age. Uh, not that he wasn't, uh, you know, pretty special early on, but his last two runs have seriously, you know, he's just gone to an absolute new level. And I've got to say, uh, Merrick Mile, hats off to Kate Gath because she stole that. That was absolutely, she stole that show. They let her get away with the 29-2 second quarter and uh, and that was sort of race over. They, they just couldn't gun her down, but... Yeah, he has he has taken it to a new level, which is uh, great to see. And he's like he's always been uh, a horse. I think even though like he might be able to win the long distance races in the future, but uh, there's always been a feeling. I think if you got him up a little bit, like uh, there's lots of horses in the same boat. But Catch Wave definitely one where you you were always thinking if you could get him up to um, an angle, you might see something special, particularly over the short. And he might hold a record that nobody ever ever equals or breaks, Clevy. The only horse to do the Mercury 80 final, Miracle Mile Duffel, in the same season. <laughs> uh, pr- pretty amazing. And uh, I'm sure there's been some bands up on Saturday night between uh, Andy Gath and, and Paul Oxenford, who um, I, I think, you know, we remember he was, he was out of the uh, Hunter Cup. But to be honest, in retrospect, it might have been the best thing for him to miss the Hunter Cup. Uh, absolutely, he's uh, he's come into this probably a bit fresher and uh, without you know that extra few hard races under his legs. So uh, Andy's been able to pick him for this race perfectly, and and as you say, that may not have happened had he have gone around in that other race. So uh, yeah, look, what's happened in the past is in the past, and all they can do is look forward now. And I suppose the next real big one would be the Eureka, being a two million dollar race that. Um, they'll be really striving for and uh, anyone lucky enough, which I did actually a couple of weeks ago, jump on catch a wave was $7 to win that. Now that just looks absolutely crazy odds. Yeah. But like I say, he was at a, um, he was at a level. No, it wasn't that long ago. So it's just quite funny how he was a big boom horse and so much respect did Andy Gath have for Captain Ravishing. That's the reason he missed the four-year-old Bonanza. He didn't want to run into Captain Ravishing. So, it's been a real um, uh, tug of war between the two, but catch a wave, uh, unbelievable in the Chariots of Fire, unbelievable in the Miracle Mile, and uh, geez, he could have some sort of career now. And before we get stuck into the actual retrospective, it's it's definitely worth noting, and I mentioned it on Saturday night, and I'm sure there's been plenty of talk about it, um, how special this is for um, the Matthews family, Paul and Matthews, and I think it's David, who's um, wasn't overly involved in the in the horses before uh, the passing of Richard Matthews. I don't, well, it wasn't, I, I think, a passion of his, but following the um, the sad passing of his father towards the end of last year, he's sort of taken a great interest. And I've always been a big believer. I've seen this a number of times over my time. You would have seen it even more, Clevy, where um, a horse continuing to race and perform well, particularly in the good races, it, it keeps... It even keeps the memory of um, of someone who's been involved in those horses that's that's left us uh, more alive than ever, and I, you get to celebrate in a, in a kind of in a different way when a horse like Catch a Wave um, can win. It would have been a very emotional time for the Matthews family. Yeah, it certainly would have. And uh, it, this sounds really bad, but it, it's unfortunate that we celebrate 
people more when they pass away than they do when they're alive. And I think it's, you know, you sort of don't realise how much you've got until they're gone. But uh, Catch a Wave's certainly going to keep that memory going. And, uh, you know, he's got a very special story to him. And and I think we should all enjoy that because, um, you know, he's such a wonderful horse. And as I said, Richard waited his whole life to get a horse like this. And unfortunately, he's not going to, he hasn't been able to see the best of it. But, uh, yeah, it is a great story. And uh, hopefully he continues it on. It's too easy to shit get people when they're alive, Clevy. Exactly. Say, <laughs> it's too easy to argue with them and tell them they're flogged them and they're dead. Go, oh, jeez. It's that man or woman was absolutely amazing. In the end, I probably shouldn't have been shit getting them the whole time. Um, we're going to go for a break in a moment. Before we do, and it's a long way down the track before we'll talk about it, but are you going to be cast into a position on today's retrospective of black booking your own horse? Um, well, I wasn't going to, but I was certainly happy enough with his run. Uh, that's not my position to black, uh, black book my horse. I was hoping you'd just do it and uh, that would take it off my hands. Oh, I will be, so uh, I, I wish you would. Uh, let's go for a break. First break on Metrospective. Jabon back with Steve Cleave. Tom Bang on the buttons. We'll be back in a moment and we'll kick off Metrospective proper with Race 1 at Melton. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington and Steve Cleave. Welcome back to Metrospective. Out of most of the breaks, we'll uh, take some of the Trots Division action and uh, and play some of the races. But we want to get stuck in. Caught up with Clevy, had a bit of a chat about the Miracle Mile. Um, I've just done uh, a live read for Best Shed Sheds, um, 15% off <laughs> right now. Uh, something you might want to think about uh, with the house being built there. Uh, Clevy, race one. Now, this was an electric start to the night. But the only little confusing part of it, as I do a little bit of Bill Laurie there, is how well almost too many of the horses went. To the top six, there's only 4.8 metres between them. They've mole rated 154.7, uh, slick lead time, dropped anchor, ripped home. Um, hard to say the winner wasn't just about the best run in the race, Courageous Saint, who's uh, out of a great breed, but probably, you know, well, definitely wasn't expected to win. Had a real crack early, couldn't get across, dropped in behind the leader. I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, whether you thought Haranya's run was massive or just good. I'm no pumpkin lip reader. They did work. But really, I thought top five in particular, not a lot not a lot between them. And they've all gone – they've almost all gone above, I reckon, Clevy. Yeah, totally agree with what you said there. Courageous Saint was excellent. Part of that early burn – uh, drop leaders back, so I just had that perfect set. Haranya, my first black booker, I thought that was massive. Uh, it had to come wide, make up some sensational ground. Ran its last half, 54-6 um, off the track. Last quarter, 26-97. It's gone 153.6 for its last mile, which is absolutely huge. So uh, I thought that run was massive. Cosimo, another exclamation mark against it in our black book. It will never leave, I don't think. But uh, in saying that, I think we now just change him to place only because uh, he just keeps running a place. But if you're putting him in your exotics, he does it every week for you. Lip reader as well, very good moving around to the death. But uh, terrific to see Courageous Saint back. Hasn't been in uh, Victoria since the 15th of August 2020 was his last start here at Shepparton. Uh, running behind ride high. Now, yes, yeah, so I agree on most of the things in the race. Probably, am I talking out of my pocket? I try not to, but I backed Haranya the last couple of times. It was just, 
a funny situation. The leaders had gone hard. Um, the leader, Omno Pumpkin, was $12. Courageous Saint was $23 behind the leader. And then you've got the two big guns, Cosimo and uh, Harania, back in the field along with it. Well, Lip Reader's up there doing the work, but I thought the two best chances of winning were Cosimo and Harania, and I backed Harania. And really, I, I wonder whether they – there was a lot of ducks and drakes back there, Clavy, and I just wonder – whether they were expecting the leaders to stop and just thought we can peel and roll at any time here. But ultimately, um, and this is something you talk about quite a little, quite a bit, the last quarter was a second slower than the th- third quarter. And they probably thought that they could get over the top. And I'll be honest with you, watching the race, I thought they would as well. It was, Harania's run was really, really good. But in the back of my mind, and, and mate, sometimes it's the opinion you have of them, but I... I think he's a really nice pony, and I thought he would win from there. So I don't know whether that's more about whether I thought Harania's run was more of a 7.5 out of 10 than a 9.5 out of 10, or whether um, Courageous Saint has just gone terrifically well after the early burn. Can, I don't, can you help yeah, me? Can I, don't, I don't know if we can help each other here. It's, a, it's, it's, yeah. it's an opinion thing, isn't it? It is. Like Courageous Saint, I know he's easy and an early burn, but his rest of his times were, were, were good, like 31, 28, 8. 27-6, 3 So nothing to really write home about. Got the perfect trip. Everything just went his way. That early burn didn't really last that long. Um, and, and something that I did note about this race compared to a lot of other times, their first quarter was where the brakes went on and they've gone 31. Then they've gone 28-7, 27-5, 28-5. So it's a 1,200-metre roll. Quite often in these races, they'll go 29 first quarter, then they back it off in the second quarter, and I think that's where the back horses get into it a bit better. But when they back off the first quarter and then they run for 1,200, it makes it even harder for those back horses to get into it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm big rap on Harani's run. I think it was probably one of its best runs of late. Um, Courageous Saint, I think, although the early speed burn was there, after that I think the times were you know, well, good enough to win, obviously. But, um, yeah, I, I do think that those coming from back, the back of the field, have done pretty good. Yep. Um, Cosimo, as you mentioned, just lives running a place. Lip reader, I thought was good. And uh, to be honest, I thought I know Pumpkin was pretty good as well. Had to resist that early challenge and probably a horse that we think of better as a, <clears throat> a lead trail sort of horse. Um, so to be able to do it from the top end, Lottie Moon's a horse I've always had a lot of time for. Um it was only 4.8 metres away. And then probably looking back in the field, Captain Pins was a, a long way back. Sheffield Sparky um, uh, obviously was at, jeez, uh, it was a massive odds. Um, and really there was nothing more to add. Eagle Watch, there wasn't a hell of a lot, was it? It was a race in two divisions though. It was. Probably the only one that didn't run in the first lot that I'd probably keep a watch on would be Captain Pins. Um, Michael went... Tried to do the right thing, cut through the inside around the home corner to make up some ground and then just ran into dead ends and then still got home quite well. Um, so, yeah, his run wasn't too bad. That's probably the, the only one out of that back group that um, I'd be sort of following. I thought Lottie Moon was in a winning posse at the top of the straight. I thought this is really going to set it up for it to run home over the top of them, but just battled to the line. Um, Sheffield Sparky, yeah, it's just a funny sort of horse. It just hasn't been able to show its best for a long, long time now. No, it did run to get ahead of the Mercury Radium, turns up at $151 and runs in the second half. bit odd all, all over. Race mm. two, 1,720 metres. The love bug schools them here. But this has been 
an exercise in great training and patience. I think there's still screens. Now, he's a horse that I've always had a lot of time for. Um, really good miler. Returns to the track. Uh, doesn't do a hell of a lot after nearly a year off at the first run. The second run doesn't do a hell of a lot. Improves sharply at the third run back and then wins here. It's just been... He'd be a horse who I reckon, I reckon he's a horse who's taken a fair bit of patience all the way through. He's now an eight-year-old gelding, but he's always loved the short course. And I just think it's, this was a great training and driving performance by father and son team, Ashley and Jimmy Herbertson, Clevy. Yeah, that was a really good win. It was, uh, it was a painful watch. It was the race that I wanted to be in, and unfortunately there was a scratching in the, uh, the later race where we were in emergency, and uh, we come out of this one because I thought it was a perfect race for my bloke, but uh, they just sat up, walked. James, you know, he, he's a very smart driver. As soon as that pace went out, he went straight around to the death, did it doing no work, basically just controlled the speed from there and down the back he said let's run he knew exactly what he had underneath him and was just far too good captain confetti aussie playboy belittled but they all got home okay but um sort of nothing that was eye-catching at all but i don't know how you know close any of those guys would be to winning you know coming up but um steel screens he he put the writing on the wall last start and uh yeah got back this week and said well that's my time yeah it was it was a nice one it was a great drive and uh uh, 156-1, they weren't really moving, were they? I, I think if there's one horse out of this race that uh, I would – I almost consider Black booking him. He just missed was Captain Confetti because he was first up from a break and it still rings in my ears. Uh, a little Trot's Vision interview on a Saturday night with Jack Law where he he, re, he really pumped the tyres of Captain Confetti. Uh, that was yeah. the one that he drove as well. And, um, you know, I think he was maybe – it's very – when they walk and run like this, particularly first up from a break, it's hard to assess um, the performances. And But to be honest, first up from a break, this is probably what you want. You don't want a gut buster. Um, you don't even want them to run along that quickly. You want a race where it's almost like another trial sometimes, don't you? Um, and they've gotten home in 55-7. He's been 10 metres off them and got within 1.2. So even though it's hard, it's hard to black book him on that performance, you really can't do a hell of a lot more than that. No, he ran his last half in 54.86. And as you say, when they sit up and then sprint home, it, it makes it difficult. And like you said, it was pretty much treated like a trial for him and perfect lead-up race now going into his next start. Do, do you find that, generally speaking? I mean, we know you go into every race to win. And some horses, um, uh, less than ever before, I think, but some horses are absolutely wound up for a first-up performance. But generally speaking... It's actually it's actually nice to go to the races and be able to collect, collect some prize money in a trial like fashion sometimes, and I think punters have to be wary of that as well more now than ever before. We we speak about over the last twelve months we've talked about it. You know, in thoroughbred racing, everyone's quite comfortable with the fact that a horse has got a target race. You know, fourth up in their campaign, but in the trots, for some reason, everyone blows up deluxe if you're not there to win every single time regardless of your draw or the circumstances. But I, I think we have to be – like, punters have to be a little bit sensible that um, these days, first up from a break, it, it, at a good level, it's very, very hard to win. And it is more likely than not, unless you are a one-pace warrior, that you're going to be driven conservatively, Clevy. Yeah, correct. It's It does my head in how punters look at them so differently when the horses are very similar, especially now with our breed – they're a lot finer, you know, a lot higher speed sort of horses. So they do sort of, you know, come through their runs, as you say, just, you know, needing a couple of runs under their belt. And especially the way the speed maps play out, 
I think with the way um, all the information that's available to punters, all our sectionals, our speed maps, you should be able to look at a horse and just say, look, it's just not going to win this week, you know, because it, it becomes quite obvious because it's going to have to race against its pattern to actually get into the race or so forth. So I, I don't get why it's not accepted that, okay, this horse just won't win tonight. You know, it's it's just totally different thinking to how they look at it with the gallops. And, uh, yeah, I can't get my head around that. Well, the funny thing is uh... – particularly these days, weirdly, even more than thoroughbreds, uh, standard breads requ- are more requiring race fitness than, you know, you get your thoroughbreds that are just natural athletes. They've been out in the back, they've, you know, they have one trial and they're ready to roll. And we do know that there are thoroughbreds that are absolute first-up specialists that turn up and go berserk and then um, and then quite often drop away uh, three and four runs into their preparation. But... And, and particularly unless you've got a massive team at home like an Emma Stewart or Clayton Tonkin and you can um, get them fit under pseudo-race circumstances against other very good horses, I mean, it's very, very, very hard, even if you even if you want to, and you probably don't want to, but to get them hard fit enough to do the job first up from a break. Yeah, very hard. There's no pressure like race pressure even at the trials it's still not the same and you know you can trial them 10 times and still may not get that full fitness out that you get out of racing and i know if i'm looking at horses going forward i'm really big on their third run it's like yeah their first run is good and their second run is better it's the third start that i start thinking all right i'm going to get serious on this horse because that's tends to be the third and fourth run tend to be their two peaking runs and and it probably stands out i reckon more now than ever that um you know that's that's the way most horses tend to you know sort of track into their racing so yeah i, I think it stands out quite clearly still screens and and what you want to see more than ever, I think, is exactly what you saw from Steel Screens. Now, I didn't back him, but you want to see, um, yes, probably that real step up third, up from a break. So Steel Screens just went, okay, okay. And then you could tell third up from break, okay, this horse is now starting to starting to feel it again. And uh, he just went to uh, uh, another level again winning on uh, Saturday night. And I'm glad he has because... He's been a lovable horse over the years. He's been a frustrating horse at times, but he's been a lovable horse as well. We'll go to the news, find out what is happening in the world. And when we return, race three won by Remy Lou. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington and Steve Cleave. What is a great modern day artist? Arguably the greatest modern day artist. Taylor Swift. Uh, we kick back in, and unbelievably, I'd, I'd, the back's a little bit, um, a bit Buster Brady at the moment, I've got to tell you, the back again. Uh, and I got up and I, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have a little jog to try and get a drink from the, from the vending machine. And it said, no dice, J-Bon. So I'm a bit upset. Race three was one of the features at Melton. The high gain premier stakes. We will talk about... Uh, some of the young, uh, action at Menangle on Saturday night a little bit later as well. This race was won by Remy Lou. Now, had the race experience, was $1.30. And I've got to tell you, there were some nervous moments later, I can believe you. 
Yeah, there certainly was. But, uh, yeah, she just turned out to be a little bit too experienced for the uh, the second horse and a bit of professionalism uh, come to the fore, as Dan Malecki said, going over the line. I'm wondering where, uh, what you made of Frigno's run and whether there's a black book there because uh, Frigno just looked like a drunken sailor late. Didn't, uh, didn't have much idea what it was doing. If it had a balance, I think it probably would have won. But is it uh, a case of probably waiting one more time to, to see how it goes? So, oh, Honey Rider was good as well. The time was solid enough. It's hard to know where this race is, is going to rate. But um, Remy, Remy Lou just looks pretty professional. It's a tough race to probably find uh, too much for the future, I would have thought. But the, the runs of the second and third horses were, um, were, were good. And Ferrigno does look... Even when it was sort of, it was just all legs, wasn't it? When it was trying to duck back to the sprint lane and hanging in, there was something about the way that it appeared. You know, sometimes you just vibe horses. And to me, it looks like it's going to be a really nice horse for Igno, but I don't know whether we're, uh, we're another couple of runs away from probably, you know, seeing the maturity required to win a race like this. Yeah, I think, um, look, I did black book it. I was really impressed with its run. Showed good gate speed. Couldn't get across the favourite, but had a real crack at it. Then got the sit on its back. And like you said, just a bit like a drunken sailor up the straight. But, uh, you know, if you have a look at the rest of the field, if you take the favourite out, then it probably does still win. So even though it's doing a few things wrong, I, th- I think it'll just take an absolute load out of that run. It'll it'll take that experience and and hopefully it'll just find a little bit more, um, I suppose, maturity, race maturity after, you know, going out for the first time. But uh, I think it's definitely one to black book. And as you say, even if it's not next start, I'd, I'd be shocked if it wasn't the second run after this one. But um, Remy Lou, uh, well, there's our third up. Syndrome straight away there. It was It was good first up, running third at Kilmore. We've travelled up for the pink bonnet uh, to, to Menangle. Last up, running second. So it's progressively improved. And, uh, yeah, as I said, just race experience and professionalism won at the race on Saturday night. And we're in a different world now than we used to be, of course, because these are the... Uh... These are the babies sort of at the start of the season, aren't they? So being able to assess where this form's going to end up is near impossible, isn't it? It is. I mean, these might just, you know, be run-of-the-mill horses in six months' time being an early mob, or or they might just all of a sudden, you know, just keep improving as they go. But um, it's a little bit hard to tell. I'm, I'm pretty sure there'd be some nice two-year-olds sitting at home in the stables just, you know, preparing for the better races later in the year and, you uh, it's an opportunity for these horses that are early runners to get up and get running and earn some nice prize money before those better ones do step out. But you, you sort of can't be blamed, can you? If you're John Justice, um, uh, getting Frigno up. So you look at Frigno and you say, oh, you know, the horse is going to be better in, in a few months. There's no doubt about that. Or in six months or in 12 months. But um, making Hayworth Sunshine is important as well, isn't it? Because as we've just mentioned, you don't know – particularly with Ember and Clayton these days, you don't know the quality of uh, two-year-olds going to turn up later. And if you've got one that you've been fortunate enough that has gone through the breaking in and turned uh, uh, turned up at uh, your joint and all of a sudden you're going, well, you are ready to go to the race as well. Getting there before everybody else turns up at the party isn't a bad idea sometimes as well. Yeah, exactly. And especially now with the season changing and, and they're a little bit later on, so they're a bit older than what they normally are. Our first two-year-old race used to be in December um, when they turned two in September. So they got an extra three months under their belt. So although you are early compared to the others, 
you're actually still a little bit later than what they used to be. So you've got that extra couple of months to get them up and running. And like you say, if the money's on offer, well, why not Why not tack it? The beauty is these days, even though we know there's been a change in the Vic Bread Super Series, we'll talk about that at some point. I'll get on a little bit about that forever, but glad to see it's done now. Um, Finally. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, you can, like a Celestia Matuka, you can uh, you can have a crack early. You can have a uh, sabbatical through the middle and then go again late if you want, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of time to do it now. So if, if you know, if you do have a, a jump and run two-year-old, I mean, we used to do it with the Lombo. You know, it was a really good series up at Shepherd and, um, you know, I had one got up and won the, the heat at her first race start and then ran fourth in the final. And, and yeah, she was just, you know, just a perfectly suited two-year-old that was ready to go very early and it didn't knock her about at all. She raced on until she was seven. So, you know, if they're that style of horse, then absolutely, you know, have a crack and, and as you say, make, make hay while the sun shines because uh, when it's raining, it's very difficult. I remember the first time I had to do the form for Lombo when I turned up at Harness Racing Victoria, I just thought, what the hell do you want me to say? <laughs> I have no idea. And you couldn't even get trolls back there. It's, it, it's amazing how much we take for granted now, Clevy. And it's only been, you know, it's only been a few years, hasn't it? But once upon a time... You had troll times, no troll vision. Uh, before that, you had no troll times, half the time. it's We sort of look at it now and, um, uh, you know, it's, it's never easy to find winners, but it, it's never been easier because the information, if, if anything now, you can get information overloaded and uh, and overdo it trying to trying to look into the puzzle. But it, it's, it has changed dramatically in recent years, and well done to the IT departments everywhere around around the place, and um, and to the media and marketing departments for, for getting us up to speed, basically, because there were there was a time even it wasn't that that long ago where um, you didn't have the full horse. You know, now you just can click on a horse and find their full horse form. You can click on a driver and trainer and find out their winning strike rates. Whereas you couldn't do that back in the day. You didn't have full horse form. You, you had to I'd go back into the Harvey system to go and find a run from a while back and even gate speed. It felt like, um, it felt like it, it felt like it took hours and hours and hours. There's been an industrial revolution of sorts in the amount of, um, the amount of tools that we have, hasn't there? Oh, there really has. And I can tell you now from being a, a trainer driver for the last, you know, 30 plus years and now doing, you know, this form analyst work, I'm glad that I've just got into this side of it now and not back then because... Should have had you know, to do the hard yards, Clevy. Yeah, Should have worked well, in the trenches with me. We used to do that when we were driving, yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's that we used to do for maybe one or two races, depending on how many drives you have. But, you know, I'd hate to have been trying to do a 12-race program like we used to because right now, and that's what I say for punters, there is so much information out there. I know it, it sounds sort of silly saying, oh, Back and winners is easier than ever, but it sort of is because you've got so much more information at your fingertips that you know it m- makes you probably easier to pick and choose what races you even want to bet in. The flip side is there's always see in life. This is why misinformation and disinformation and all this crap it, it doesn't it never makes any sense because no matter when anything goes forward, there's always going to be a flip side. And the flip side, of course, is that you know back in the day. Mm. Uh, the flip side back in the day was, was that you, Tom Mack? It's very strange. Um, the, the professionals or people with who were willing to dedicate themselves 
had a far greater edge, Clevy. That's the only thing is uh, we remember all the way back in the day where there's no trolls and uh, people are filming trolls and probably sharing it around among the pros and the people that were willing to pay for it. And then they, they got information that other people don't have and all the rest of it. So it is it is easier to find winners, but I guess every probably most smart judges are on the same page a little bit more as well, aren't they? Yeah, they sure are. But I suppose that, that can help you give you a little bit of confidence that, um, you know, if there's yeah. something you like and then all of a sudden you see that money coming for it, well, then obviously, you know, there, there's more than just you that likes it. So, you know, if you need a little bit of confidence when you're betting, you know, you, you can get that confidence out of watching that uh, the odds come in. And the fact of the matter is, um, and I, I hope and believe everyone understands this, broadening the church is everything. So if we can give somebody who's got, who's getting into to harness racing and doesn't, you know, have a lot of experience in it and give them all that weaponry and they feel like they can compete with uh, people that have been uh, uh, doing it and understand it or have been around the game a lot longer, then uh, that is absolutely crucial because the more people betting, the more turnover, the more uh, return to the industry, the better prize money, the better everybody's life is. Race four, the big screen company, three-year-old pace. I was with Sharipo. I followed Sharipo up to Sydney and back. And again, I mean, she couldn't have done any more. It was it was definitely one of those races. Young Zach Chapenden from the Sunshine State um, just absolutely controlled things in front. And 26-5, Cheribo just couldn't get any closer. I don't think nothing but waves was good. The top three were all good, but really I'm going to stick with Cheribo uh, because it, running home, in the, particularly just that last 150 metres, Unless you've got a jetpack in your um, just behind your tail, you can't go much quicker, and it's almost impossible to run down the leader under these circumstances. I reckon, Clevy. Well, if Tom Bang is very quick on the button, if he can just quickly rewind, replay exactly what you said, I'll just, <laughs> that, that's just a replay, mate, because what you just said summed it up absolutely perfectly. Um, I was with Sharif. I was well. I thought it would uh, go very close to winning, and. And like you say, to get that close up the straight when they zipped home in in such a slick quarter, um, you know, and it's ran quickest quarter, 26.31, you know, they can't go a lot quicker than that. And, uh, yeah, the top three, very good. And the next three, you know, sort of weren't that bad behind. She's poppy, you know, dropped out. But I spoke to Damien Wilson on his way in and he said, you know, that one was sort of, you know, it was never going to finish in the numbers. So, uh you know, it was it was uh, it was always going to be a close race between you know being such a small field, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. I thought Sharipo was uh, the run of the race. The only thing I, I will say, and I said it on Saturday night when on air on SEN Track, that this is the measure of Emma Stewart and Clayton Tonkin. I was in the parade ring when C Silk had its debut on Ballarat Cup night. Yeah, I was there, and the horse looked like it was going to a rodeo. Mm-hmm. It was an absolute nut, like nutball. And now you've got a horse that you run off the gate, get it fired up, drop anchor, goes as slow as you want it to go, press the button, goes again. That's 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 a very bit. That, that's a very big effort. People don't know though how how difficult it is sometimes with a young horse and an experienced horse just to get them settled, let alone turn them into a a professional that can drop the bit in a dime and then sprint again. 
Yeah, especially to go back to a 32.5, like you say, that's walking pace. It's, you know, it's all right to get them back off to a 29.9 or something because they're still, you know, pretty much rolling. But a 32.5 is just fast work time. So, uh, as you say, they've really turned this horse around. I, I didn't see what it was like in the parade ring. I, I did note at Ballarat that night, though, as much as it was sort of off its nut in the parade ring before the race, it was a lot calmer um, out on the track. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe just having a you know a couple of runs under the belt. It's just helped it settle it down. And, uh, yeah, it, it's certainly going to win its share of races as well. There's no doubt about that. My memory is it's point size as well. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it wasn't very big. It was trying to make itself big, let me tell you. <laughs> but um, it's, 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 it is not a big girl, but um, a pretty handy type. But both Cleavy and I, uh, back to Repo and... We are very happy with the performance, so keep sticking with Taripo. Well, I've, st- I've stuck with her long enough now. I'm going to make sure I get a collect out of her. We might talk about Shayla a little bit later as well. We'll do that soon. We'll go for a break right now. Metrospective edition of Trot's Life right here on SEN Chat. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington and Steve Cleave. I was only 19, 20 then. I didn't hit the high notes until I was 20. I, I don't want to go back to 1999. I wouldn't mind going back to 2002. I was. <laughs> A Rod's here, one of my uh, mentees. He's in the he's in the J Bond mentee program at the moment. He's actually one of our one of our best students. <laughs> and he's, uh, but he's he unfortunately came in and called me Boddington. So unfortunately, he will not be getting a pass mark on his next assignment. Um, <laughs> Uh, he'll he'll be back. He's wearing Sunny's inside. Um, there's a lot going on. Uh, race five. We'll do one more before we have a little bit of a break. See you, Schmitty. Um, Finn Frost, uh, big winner from last. Uh, 154.7 um, over the mile. Nothing special. Really funny sort of a race. There's, there's only one run that I'll tell you. I'll tell you where the when it's easiest to find a. Um, an unlucky run when you're going through the uh, replays, Cleavy, when you've backed them. Mm. It's easy to find the unlucky one because you saw it on the night and um, Shorty's mate was a another bit of a heartbreak for me. I don't know if I don't know if you could see it slicing through and running into running into bums late, but it'll be uh, it's not going to be a black book because it's Shorty's mate. But uh, it was very unlucky. What did you make of the race overall? Yeah, no, it was a uh, it's a different sort of race. Um, yeah, the early pace. They, they sort of half went at it, but um, sort of half didn't. But it was probably that half that made me have to go back. Um, I was sort of hoping by that time either had a real serious crack or, um, you know, just accepted it wasn't going to get the front. But it, it sort of pressed on a little bit longer than I thought I had to restrain. Uh, I wasn't going to sit out there for 600 metres. And it was sort of good because I got to teach my bloke to race a bit more from behind. And, and his run was probably the best he's put in from behind for quite a long time. Um, the Finn Frost has been knocking on the door of late. Uh, Geordie just drove it perfectly on Saturday night um, a couple of times. And I said it last week, and I'm not trying to be rude or critical, but I thought she probably cost it the start before where she sort of was trying to get it ripping five and six wide around the corner before you straighten. And, and I just said, you know, if she happens to sit on it till they straighten, he's got that good a dash that, you know, you're not – 
overexerting yourself before you even get to the straight. And she did exactly that. She she just sort of held it together until they straightened. And then when she said go, he really hit the line strong. And it was great to see him get up. Um, you know, Connor Crook's done a great job with this horse. He's uh, he's really taken it to a new level to where it was racing for some time. Magic Mike, honest as he always is, worked around to the death. You know, he really keeps fighting on. He's a bit of a horse who becomes a sitting duck because he does do that work. He's a little bit similar to my bloke. You know, you're up there doing all the hard work and then you get pipped by something that can sit off a cold sit and just uh, swamp you late. By that time, another one racing in terrific form. It just kept sticking after doing that early burn as well. Um, and as I said, I was I was wrapped with the run of my bloke too. He he, um, he really had a crack from behind, which was, was good to see that, you know, he's now not just one-dimensional. I've probably only got a minute, have we, uh, Tom Bing, before we've uh, got to get out. He's, you can tell him first up from a break on Trot's Life because uh, while I was um, lamenting short his mate, <clears throat> I forgot this was a Miracurus race, and it is a black booker for me. We discussed this earlier. I thought the run was terrific. Like, he got, uh, sort of had to be prated out wide to get in, uh, but as you mentioned, <clears throat> to be able to come home uh, in a, you know, the last quarter, again, you talk about this all the time, and it's something that... Like it's really interesting. That last quarter was quick, uh, much quicker than the rest of the race. It was 29, 29, 29, 27 at least. Uh, so not massively quick, but quicker than every other quarter. And Mirakura, who's not known as a come-from-behind horse, has done a big job, I think. Bide our time is very bite our time. Uh, just looked like it was going to swamp them and didn't. Finn Frost has been a wonderful horse. Eight-year-old now. Been up and down, claimers, this, that, the other different trainers. And seems to be racing in career best form. Magic Mike was good. Shorty's mate, desperately, desperately unlucky. I would make him a black booker, but you've got to rely on the fact that uh, he often races three or four poles. He does need fortune in his races. But I'll tell you what, he deserves to win one. And I'm going to say this, and I hate saying this. I think he would have won with a clear run. Time for a break. We'll come back. And he was bulking. Hopefully at 12 o'clock we can talk to Andy Gath. Live on SEN Track. Welcome to Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington and Steve Cleave. Great to have the return of Kesha here, who hasn't been heard of from years. Tom Banks trying to bring Kesha back. I just want to say, we're going to get Andy Gath uh, in just a moment because he's in reception area, which is good news, but... Um, Look, I've seen a lot of talent over the years and the way they treat their producers. I've simply asked Tom Bang to go and get me a coffee. I never do this, and he's and he's blowing up the lux and he's got to walk. He's, he's got to walk eight minutes to the, to the elevator and go down, and come back. I mean, I've been running this mentoring program for some time. I don't ask for anything in return except for a smile and the occasional hug. And uh, and, and anyway, well, smiles, hugs are okay, Bond, but don't you dare ask for a coffee. <laughs> don't, you, don't you make me walk. <laughs> Um, with my prodigious legs. Andy Gath is on the line. He is, we're getting him as he's just crossed over the Victorian border. How are you, my friend? Uh, good, thanks, Jay Bond. How are the celebrations? How's the head? How are you feeling? Um, no, I'm a little bit tired and weary. Uh, obviously, had yelling sales yesterday and didn't get much sleep Saturday night for plenty of good reasons. So, but um, yeah, quite awake um, driving down this highway. Getting quite used to it at the moment. Um. I mean, it's probably hard to describe, isn't it? What, how the night felt. You've won many big races in the past, but um, you know, we know there's uh, there's stories and narratives around this particular win, uh, this particular horse. It would be hard. Well, I know what would happen straight afterwards. I, I sent you a text. I tried to wait a few minutes because I thought 
your phone will just explode. And uh, you like to take a few calls at least. Um, and then you've got the presentation. Then you've got the celebrations and everyone wants to get around you. I wish I was up there to be one of those. Is it very, very hard, even after all the big wins and all the years, to sort of synthesize in that moment what a win like the Miracle Mile with Catch a Wave meant to you? Yeah, no, definitely. Again, it's um, very emotional, as we all know, yep. uh, you know, with Richard's passing. And to have all the, you know, most of the family up there, 13 of them, um, and, you know, a lot of them, they, they've never really followed the racing that much, but they've really embraced it since Richard's right, passing. And, yeah, and again, it was, to be honest, as a race I always thought was probably out of my reach, and to be able to win an iconic race like the Miracle Mile, um, yeah, it was pretty emotional and pretty amazing at the same time. And, yeah, I'm still on cloud nine, to be honest. Well, it's, it's, you're probably absolutely bugged. Like, you should... You should be taking a sleep on the, on the side of the road, but uh, the <laughs> adrenaline's keeping you going. But, um, yeah, I've spoken about this a bit, and I, I think sometimes people think it's a bit trite, but it absolutely isn't, because I remember interviewing um, Sammy Kilgow after Blinging On won the Hunter Cup, and that was a couple of years following the passing of her mother Kay, of course. And these horses do keep the memories of people going, and this is even more unique. You've spoken about it, and you just touched on it then. Uh, I remember doing an interview recently. Uh, David, the son of Richard and Pauline, never took much of an interest, and now he's 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 becoming passionate about the game quickly to try and um, to try and continue Richard's legacy. And it's it, it's just phenomenal. I, I can't I can't imagine I can't imagine what would have been going through your head, let alone Pauline and the family's hearts and minds after a win like that, where they're it's tinged with obvious sadness, but to be able to relive the memory every single time Catch a Wave even goes around, let alone wins a Miracle Mile. I mean, probably even you probably can't even understand what would have been going through their mind. It just would have been wonderful to share it with them. Yeah, no, it was. And again, um, uh, we recently put our tweet out on our gas racing Twitter handle. And, you know, I think it'll catch up all the emotion. Um, I think you'll seen it, Steve. I don't know if you're sending a J-bomb. But again, uh, if you get an opportunity to watch that, you, you'll see what it means. To us and them, and uh, yeah, it's just amazing that um, yeah, you know, you win a race like that. There's no doubt you're happy, but then it's just in the back of your mind, wish someone else was here to, you know, yeah, you know, have the enjoyment with us. But again, that's life. You just have to move on. But you know, but every time those colours go around and that horse races, and not only that horse, he's got other horses as well. But we'll always be in memory of Richard every time they perform. So um, yeah, it's great to hang your hat on. For someone, because sometimes a lot of people pass and there's nothing to hang your hat on going forward. And, you know, so, um, you know, we're probably fortunate that this horse has come around, come around the right time, especially for the family anyway. I think it has helped them, um, you know, in, in a tough time, really. I'll pass you over to Clevy for a question or two at a moment. We'll go, I just want to touch on the horse. And, and, and by the way, look, depending on who and what you believe in, it'd be, it'd be a lovely thought. Um, that Richard is looking down and uh, being able to see catch a wave win the, the the miracle mile from from above. But um, moving on to the horse itself now, it's, it is pretty amazing, isn't it? And we've seen the uh, stuff about Captain, Captain Ravishing recently, and there's been a, 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 a few trying to pull his tail. But it, it really wasn't that long ago that the one that we were talking about, uh, I was uh, you know hog wild on uh, on catch a wave, and and you'd come out and you know. We'll, we'll talk about this every single time Catch a Wave wins a big race because you stuck your neck out on the line hardcore on the greatest show in the history of the world, Burning Questions, and told us that Catch a Wave might be or probably was the best horse or at least pace you've ever trained. 
Now, at the time, that is just something. Unless he wins a Miracle Mile or a Hunter Cup or a Victoria Cup, um, you know, there's no benefit to making calls like that. But you did. And now he has gone on and done it. But it was, it was a time not that long ago. He might not have had the Captain Ravishing boom, but we were talking about him as the next big thing. Then Captain Ravishing, as I mentioned earlier, says, hold my beer catcher wave. And now you've done it back to him. So it's it's been a, a pretty a pretty wild ride. And you just hope that these two horses and uh, and a couple of others get to continue this rivalry because it's it hasn't been one where maybe both horses have been at their best in the right night against each other yet. I don't know. Maybe they have. Maybe they haven't. But it's an intriguing swings and roundabouts between two phenomenally gifted sons of Captain Treacherous, Andy. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And again, um, we're probably a little bit out of mind, out of sight. Uh, we probably weren't racing when Captain Ravishing was doing the things he was doing. And, um, you know, I remember I was sitting at home and uh, watching the Breeders' Crown and it was just in awe of what Captain Ravishing done. I said, God, how can a horse actually do that? And I just thought, Oh, I'll try and avoid him as much as I can, <laughs> and I have avoided him. But again, um, you know, when the time had come to race, we were fortunate enough to beat him, and you know, probably have to draw on him again Saturday night. But it's like football too. You, you know, always changes your opinion every time. But yeah, everyone has opinions, and whether they're right or wrong, um, no one really knows going forward. Some horses get better, some horses just be off on the night. But um, I've always had great players in my horse to is that um, you know, from day one. Motor, um, you know, he's got plenty of quirks, and he showed that again Saturday night. He, he's still not completely the finished product yet, but um, yeah, you know, to check what he has in the last sort of month, he's just been unbelievable. Well, what we know if we're going to compare him to footy teams, no matter where you rate them, Clevy, um, they're both unbelievably good footy teams. And Catch a Wave is a star, and I'm sure you want to congratulate Andy and probably talk about the um, the brilliant drive from his betrothed as well. Yeah, no, I do. Uh, congratulations, Andy. It's sensational to see him take that race out. And um, that was actually the last point I was going to make that uh, Bonds just alluded to, but we'll go with that first. Kate's drive, I felt, was just 100 out of 100. You know, it, it was just amazing. She stole that race that day night. She got away with the perfect breather and then just made it impossible for him to run down. As much as I know you're really proud of the horse, you'd have to be, you know, extremely proud of how well Kate does in the sulky out there. Yeah, there's no doubt. And um, I actually got the horse ready early, and he was sort of at the stores, and he's nice and quiet, and she's back at the motel room, and she said, oh, can you come and pick me up? Because I don't want anyone to annoy us when we go through the race. So we're in the car for about half an hour trying to work out tactics for the race, and it was quite a hard race to work out. And we went through a lot of different scenarios, and... The one scenario we didn't go through was whether he bled or not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, because we didn't think uh, he'd be able to find the front. But, um, you know, the last thing I said to Kate when she got out on the track, I said, well, just come out the first 100 and have a look and see what happens. So, um, again, uh, credit to the horse too, because we know six months ago if he had went 25-5 out the gate, he probably would have run another 26-4. <laughs> After that, you couldn't really sort of control him. But, he, you know, he come back to Kate beautifully. And it was not only the second quarter, even the third quarter, I think it was 27-9, which is quite slow from an angle. So those two cheap quarters, you know, definitely enhanced his winning hope. Yeah, just uh, to seal the win for him. But just getting back onto the horse, Andy, I might be totally wrong here, but this is why I'm going to ask you because you uh, work with him every single day. But other than maybe the Breeders' Crown two-year-old final where he had to sit three wide the last lap and, and do a bit of work, he's normally driven, he's either in front 
or he's driven from behind with his high speed, um, you know, getting him around the field into the winning positions. But he just looks like he's gone to a new level of toughness. He's run at Menangle in the Chariots of Fire to sit outside Captain Ravishing. I didn't think that he could do that. I don't know whether you certainly did or not, but he just looks like he now has just found strength that maybe he never had, or is he just maybe, you know, getting to show that because he got driven that way? Yeah, probably just uh, been driven that way. We always think he's been quite strong. The races he probably has been a little bit disappointing in is he's probably been back in the field in slow lead times and even though he's been wide off the track and but still running the fastest last mile in the race and probably visually hasn't looked that great. So, um, yeah, I'm blaming Kate for a couple of his losses, so, but she has redeemed herself. <laughs> but saying that, he's been in five good ones and one or more. So she's redeemed herself, so she knows which ones to drive him well in. Um, I know, what we yeah. know is Kate's nowhere near him. Can't be anywhere near him if well, he's talking. I'm pretty to sure Kate's on a rival station to interview Polly Bag and Moose, so it's all right. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> now, I've got, so, got, um, got, yeah. th- got three quick ones for you before we let you go, because we'll get out of the reception area at some point. Now, number one, what on earth were you talking about with Kate if you weren't talking about the possibility of leading the Miracle Mile? Were you just talking about the weather or what you might have for dinner or what? No, again, it just, um, yeah, you know, if... Um, Mac Dan's in the death, so we said, oh, I'd probably go around to a retake. Um, you know, if you are in the death, I probably wouldn't grab hold. I'd be happy enough to sit in the death and rather than everything come and get pushed back. And yeah, so we went through a lot of different scenarios. Um, yeah, so it was just, yeah, but one of those ones we probably thought he wasn't, then we said, oh, you know, probably have to come out fairly quick. So just in case on a little bait, decide to come out. Um, yeah, we went through a lot of different ones, but the one we didn't think would happen would be to be leading. Unbelievable. This is a bit of a dual question, actually. Um, this will be interesting. One, will he be the only horse in the history of the world um, to do the to do the big double of the Mercury 80 final and the uh, Miracle Mile in the same year? And in retrospect, I'll be interested in this, even though you desperately wanted to be in the Hunter Cup, did it maybe turn out for the best that he wasn't there? And, and, and a third question in this little triplet of questions, did you have a chat with Ox on Saturday night? <laughs> No, well, Ox was out with the Saturday night. Firstly, he actually done the treble. You forgot the chariots of fire as well. So the Mercury... No, the, the that, that's not one of the big ones. The Mercury 80 and the, and the Miracle Miles are the big ones. Okay. Chariots of fire is just four-year-old, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, no, I did see Ox Saturday night, and I think David Moran went up to him and shook his hand. He said, thanks for letting me catch a wave out of the Hunter Cup, because if he didn't, I probably wouldn't have won it. So um, that was good. Good. That was good from Sal. And um, no, Ox was pretty well. He's there... Um, he was drinking for you as well, I think, the last time I saw him. And what was the middle part of the question, sorry? He was drinking for me. He's doing, doing a phenomenal job. But he's, he goes pretty good. Um, uh, was it, well, is it possible that it was a positive that he missed the Hunter Cup? Oh, oh I think so. As soon yeah. as he wasn't in the race, um, I just focused on the chariots. And I just moved on pretty quick. You can't worry about things like that. Um, you know, we nominated, we hoped that he got a run, he didn't get a run. I could have gone into Bonanza, chose not to. I chose the path that I chose, and in, in retrospect, it was, it was the right path I chose. So, um, again, if he went in the Hunter Cup, and whether he won it or not, but if he did win it, he might have went to the paddock. It's, what, it's, so, it, um, it's one of those things. You, you you do choose your own adventure, don't you? And there's no, there can be no right, right or wrong in a way. You only know at the end. You only know... So, I mean, yeah. experience obviously helps and you, and you put a hell of a lot of thought. You're a genius when it comes to 
uh, planning these things, and you're willing to think outside the square, Mercury 80 final, uh, you're willing to think outside the square, but uh, really you only know at the end of the day, and the result has been there. And just that final one, what you said right off the top, you thought this race was always out of your scope. Now talk to me about that. Is just um, uh, away from home deck, the the um, the quality of opposition. Uh, why did you Why did you think this race was out of your scope? You and you probably don't take many up there, and it is a unique place to, you know, quite often um, horses and trainers have to go to Menangle first and probably work it all out, and then like a horse like Catch a Wave. Often they need to go up there and they won't perform for a little while and then they uh, they climatise. But talk us through why why this race you uh, you probably thought I might never get one. Yeah, obviously, um, getting a run is the hardest part. Obviously, yeah. it's the first thing in the first place. And again, having a horse good enough, then you have to qualify, travel up there, run top two. But you know, I've been training for a long time and I've only previously had one runner in it, and I've had some nice horses along the way. So yeah, again, it's just um, to my mind, it's always been an iconic race, and and for most of it, I've just been watching from the sidelines and admiring the people and the horses that have been able to win it in the past. So yeah, again, it's just one of those things that um, I just you know can find to the fact. Um, okay, maybe I'm not never going to win a miracle mile, get an opportunity to win one. So um, again, to have that um, on your CV is, is very pleasing. You're a, you're a legend, mate. Um, uh, so pleased for you. I will be going to check this out uh, when I get off there, and I suggest everybody else do as well on the Gath Racing uh, Twitter side just to get an impression of what those emotions were for um, for Andy and for Caden for the Matthews family on Saturday night. Well done, brother. Will, will you be rejoining me on Burning Questions on Thursday or Friday? Uh, I'll be there. He will be there. Good on you, Andy. <laughs> no, hold on. Thanks, guys. Time, time for a break. Back with more Metrospective in a moment. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington and Steve Cleave. Great to have a chat with Andy Gath. Um, it's hard to put into words, isn't it? I suppose, Clevy. Um, I will check out. You said you've already seen it, but um, being able to share that that moment and uh, the, I mean, winning a race is hard enough. Winning any race is hard enough, isn't it? And then to win a Miracle Mall, then to win a Miracle Mall under those circumstances. You've got to be able to enjoy it, and I think that's it's one thing that I I think about in harness racing a lot and talk about a lot is that um, having those opportunities to enjoy a little bit more, I think, is really crucial because we know it's a 24-7-365 game, and yeah, I don't know if you don't if you don't get your chance to be able to take a breather and reflect when these uh, when these wonderful things happen. Um, there's something wrong with that, I think, isn't it? I mean, you, you need time to be able to just. Uh, digest it and enjoy it because, like I say, winning a ra- just winning a race is hard. Winning one of these races is never guaranteed, and ever winning them again may never happen. So you need to be able to celebrate them and and enjoy them with with loved ones and and the connections. Absolutely, and and even not just the Miracle Mile. I mean, anyway, we all dream of just having a horse in there, but. Um, I, I think we need to enjoy our racing and our winning a little bit more than what we do. And I don't know. I think it's a little bit old-fashioned for us to be 
a little bit too professional, but a little bit like the footballers, you know, they kick a goal on the big stage and they get up and celebrate every single goal. Our drivers should be enjoying their wins. Give a few more fist pumps going over the line. I, I love seeing the guys get excited and, um, you know, just from getting a win. I mean, it, it's something that, as you say, it's hard enough to do, you know, at any stage. So, you know, we know how, how tiring it is and how tough the game can be. So when you do get a winner, I, I say just bloody enjoy it, you know, not not worry about people going, oh, what'd you salute for? Or, you know, you got a bit excited going over the line. I love watching Aussie Misfit. If you want to see someone enjoy this game, watch Aussie Misfit get a winner. And that's what we should be doing. And and like you say, you, you see the emotion and that of winning a miracle mile and and everyone like gets behind that and thinks it's great but I, I think we need to celebrate every win that we have and and get a bit more enjoyment out of the game because uh it can be bloody tough and it, it can be a real hard slog at times so uh you know anytime you have a winner do make sure you enjoy it that's that's probably uh my thoughts on it yeah well everyone's got a different philosophy and i'm not certainly not pumping my own tires but i my, even with the post-race interviews on a saturday night i th- they should be fun, like fun, and like, let's enjoy it, and 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 have a laugh, and 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 um, tell everyone what a great drive it was, and just you know, really, just um, get the bands happening and get the entertainment happening. Because I mean, I was just looking on the screen there as Tom Bang walks away. Elite wrestling is still a thing. It's been massive for years, and it's not even a sport. But it's entertainment. Some, I mean, I don't watch it, but it gets a huge following because it's exciting and entertaining. So I just think we need to we need to have fun and and uh, racing should be fun anyway, shouldn't it, Clevy? If you if you're involved in this game, there's enough hard work, so yeah. it should be fun. Uh, one thing that, and and I'm not. This is not in any form or sense knocking anyone, but our game is so full of characters. There is like that if you get down in the stables and you talk with these guys, trainers, drivers, strappers, yeah, absolutely have a ball. But then when we get on screen, we, we all try to be very professional because that's what we're doing. We're trying to present ourselves. We are professional. But mate, if you, if you get to see them, what they're like in the stables and everything else, you know, they are just a, an absolute ball of fun. You know, you, you just have a ball down there because. Every second person you talk to, they just want to enjoy a laugh and a dance and everything else and, you know, stir each other up and, and that sort of thing. So as much as we like to bring the professionalism across, I also think we need to, you know, because that's what our sport's made up of. And I think we need to bring that across so that people can see that, you know, we're everyday people who just absolutely love what we do. And uh, and this is them in their real world of 24-7, you know. So yeah. I, I think we need to sort of promote more of that. I, I, I could not agree more because I mean, you are dead right. You would not find a sport where when you're rolling around the stalls or having a having a beer afterwards, there, there are more uh, piss funny, slightly wild, um, uh, cr- just enjoyable people with such great personalities. And that's why while I am um, – I've got no doubt that there's got to be a professionalism to the broadcast and all the rest of it. You've, I think no matter what you're doing, what you're broadcasting, you've got to look at your point of difference and say, well, what, what is it about this sport that, um, apart from the fact that we love it, how do we get other people to, to feel that way? And that's one of the ways. I mean, another clearly go, being able to go down to the stalls and what we get to do in the parade ring uh, is amazing because that's a unique point of difference. You can't go to the thoroughbreds before they go to the barriers, can you, and ask the jockey a question. So we've got a unique point of difference there, something special, and that's great. 
but also show the personalities of these um, these amazing people and um, uh, try to get them not to swear. I don't do that too often, but uh, but it's just show the fun, and I think that's why people love a show like Burning Questions as well because it's sort of it's half form and and half um, hanging excrement on one another, Clevy. Exactly, and, and that's what makes it enjoyable. And um, you know, it's funny. I've I've got a few owners that I've got just simply because they've walked down through the stables and said good day, and all of a sudden you start talking to them, and and they don't get that anywhere else. You know, because our people are so approachable. They'll they'll chat to anyone. Oh, Drivers will chat to kids. They'll chat to anyone, and and that's what makes our sport so different. And we're going around the parade ring on Mirakuru Saturday night and there was a family on the side of the parade ring and every time I went past, he was saying it to all the horses. He's like, go horsey, go horsey. And the second time I walked past, I went, go kid, go kid. And <laughs> the kid just lit up. Like it just made his night. He was like, oh, well, he spoke back to me. But, you know, that that might just turn that kid into a trotting person. He might say, I want to go back next week, Dad. You know, it's it's little things like that. And, and that's the sort of personalities that we are. And that's what sort of attracts people to our industry. And, and yeah, I think we need to celebrate a lot, lot more. I've said to the marketing and sponsorship people as well, uh, many times that uh, at Hardest Racing Victoria, one of the great things we have got is the approachability of our um, participants and the, their willingness to go to, to functions because, um, you know, uh, we're fortunate enough to be, um, you know, mates with so many of these people. But I'll tell you what, if you're a, a harness fan at home and Andy Gath, Greg Sugars, Chris Alford turns up and you get to have a chat with them somewhere, one of these functions, I don't think I don't think sometimes people understand how important that is. They are the rock stars of the sport. They are the Christian Petrarchas or Nat Fifes of harness racing and they're willing to go. And when they go, they present the sport unbelievably well. So um uh, there's the early um, breeze, breezing with Bond for tomorrow. I don't have to do one now. We're going to go to the news, come back and keep going with retrospective. When we come back, race six is the anti-penultimate at Melton, won by Imperial's Reason. And there's another one of mine, Shayella. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington and Steve Cleave. You watch, she's going to be like Catch a Wave. The first album was phenomenal. I said she'd be a superstar. She sort of leveled out a little bit, but she'll be a miracle mile winner for sure. Right, race six, Imperial's Reason, Emma Stewart, Lee Sutton. Now, this was reminded me of like Cloud Nine or something. Sometimes when Emma and Clayton get uh, get hold of these horses, they can be bottomless. Now, I... I don't know whether this win is an indication that Imperial's reason is going to go on and be, you know, go on a killing spree because it might not be. But gee, it was a good win. One fifty four three, great drive. Lee Sutton slipped them at the right time, fast lead time. Uh, they didn't drop down to a real slow corner here. Twenty nine seven thirty point six. So they went back to normal race speed for this grade, but they'd burned. And then coming home in fifty five three. So on face value, it was an outstanding win. Shayella was. Uh, really good, but basically, I did, I did, I did dare to dream as they were coming off the uh, coming off the back because I thought Imperial's reason might stop, but Imperial's reason just didn't stop. Shallow got within about fifteen meters and then only made up another couple of meters. What did you make of this one, Clavy? 
Yeah, it's just really gone to another level uh, since joining the Emma Stewart team. It's uh, It was an impressive win there Saturday night. As you say, it was hard to know where it's going to go to. But whilst it's racing in this class, it's certainly going to be very hard to beat. Um, when Lee let it slip, it really slipped. And like you say, I mean, 27-7 off the back, but then ripped home another 27-6 and just made it awfully hard for anything to come from behind. Shayla's run, uh, very good. But, you know, as I said, the, the, the winner was just far too good. But, um, no, Shayla was excellent coming wide uh, when, when the pressure had gone on. A few of them were really starting to struggle. Heavenly Charm, it's just a really honest horse. It's going to get a win soon uh, in the right race it just seems to be knocking into one a little bit better each time but it's always thereabouts. so uh you'd certainly be keeping it in the watch and uh look probably put kettle on sort of got home okay as well but uh really hard to to judge the others when uh, the leader just went so well yeah I, look i wasn't gonna black book her because she's everyone knows she's one of mine anyway but i will with shayella because sometimes you get a look at a performance like imperial's reason and say well you're in a different race so Shaila wins this by seven metres with that Imperial's reason in the race. So, uh, but it was just one of those, I won't say freaky performances, but it was, it was close. 154-3, 55-3 home, fast lead time. Um, Polly put kettle on, was held up. It's hard to even tell, isn't it? Um, because the lead is so far in front that uh, we lose a few of the other horses. But uh, I get the impression Polly put kettle on, even from Dan Malecki's call, was held up for a very long time and probably only just got out late and flew home. So there was uh, probably something there. And not because of the dominance of the of the win, as you mentioned, Clevy, not a, not a lot else we can say, really. No, not really. I said, uh, if you were tiring after doing some hard work early, final piece, their setting, Praytail was three wide early, had to go back. And, uh, yeah, a couple others uh, dropping out. But that group of horses from Heavenly Charm back to uh, Jellyby Willow. And, look, I mean, have a look at Jellyby Willow. Absolutely flying. And then, uh, you know, runs eighth, getting beaten 44 metres. Um, you know, it, it's it's just a funny old race. And, and the way the winner won, you just think, well, this one's going to go through its grades. Now, race seven, and we will close up with a little look at it, uh, the Miracle Mile and a couple of features just, just briefly. At the end of today's episode of Metrospective here on SEN Track, which are called Check earlier, I think. Um, bulletproof Boy, I think, wanted to be up from an angle for the uh, the Group 2, the second year, virtually the consolation. Uh, couldn't get there, and I don't think Scotty Ewan was thrilled not to get a run, but what a horse. There cannot – if there was an all-star mile, if it was voted on the public, surely this is the most lovable horse in, he's got to be the most lovable horse in Victoria, Bulletproof Boy. He just keeps doing it again and again and again. And here, uh, the race was, well, it wasn't even set up for him to come from last, was it? No, it wasn't. I'm, um, I'm going to start calling him an Anzac because age shall not weary him. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he just keeps on boxing on and boxing on. And they, they did get home a little bit slower that last quarter, which probably helped him out. But, um you know, he, he really shouldn't have been winning from where he was and the way the race was run. But, uh, yeah, he knows where that finishing line is. And, and when he's on song, which he, he just seems to be there at the moment, he really savages that line hard. And, and he did that again Saturday night. Curly James, I thought, was excellent in defeat. Yep. I think that was a terrific run. Stepped up in class. This is not the race they wanted to be in. 
but the other race didn't stand up. So uh, Outlaw Man and Curly James had to step up into this race. Both of them, I thought, went very good, but especially Curly James. So he stays in my black book. I think we put him there uh, back after Ballarat Cup night, and uh, he definitely stays in there. If, he, if he's not still there, he'll uh, he'll go in. So uh, I thought that was an excellent run. Halliver as well. He's back racing uh, to his best. He, he sort of went off a little bit. I know he had some bad second row draws, but he just wasn't sort of hitting the line. But again, Saturday night, he really hit the line hard and, when you see him savage a line like that, you know they're sort of in the zone. So he's knocking on the door for another win as well. Bulletproof boy, Freak. Just love him. Absolutely adore him. Worship him. What a horse. Uh, wins at $10 somehow. Curly James goes in my black book as well. Hell of a very good. I'm just glad he's made this level of racing because I always felt he could and should. AG's White Sox, just okay. Um, Outlaw Man. Carving through for runs, solid against having up in grade, supreme dominator. Disappointing time for a break. We'll come back one more race to go at Melton, then we'll have a look at Menangle, and then we'll hand over to the trackside team. Back in a moment. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington and Steve Cleave. Business. Yeah, I'm all yours. Biggie Minogue. Cardi B. Ricky Lorenzo. Who is it? Alan Ezard. Sean Not a Well Man. Sounds like Kesha to me. Lena Gomez. Oh, she's just another one of my. Lena Gomez is just like a hybrid version of all the others, isn't she, really? I was a Demi Lovato fan out of that crew, but. She genuinely insane Demi Lovato. Like, and, and mental health's a very important thing, but I, I think she just she does it to herself a little bit. Right, race eight is the final race. Well, was the final race of the night on Saturday at Melton. And anywhere Hugo got the job done, and I I felt for Mark Hayes again here with Sir Patrick, who anywhere Hugo once got out this final race, Cleve, he looked like he was going to go straight on by. And uh, then Sir Patrick just kept on, the big boy just kept on trying to find. And uh, you don't often hear this. Dan Malecki at the conclusion of the race. Anyway, Hugo, oh, oh, it was that close. But anyway, Hugo, he did pick to have just won the race and he never gets it wrong. Um, great to see the old boy. He's been a credit to, uh, to Snooze Venosio, hasn't he? He sure has. He's done a terrific job. He just loves that cold sit and just coming out late with one dash. And like you said, when when he got clear and Taylor just let him rip, I thought, wow, he's just going to run straight past him. But like you just mentioned, Sir Patrick, just all credit to him. He really dug deep and fought back on the line. And, um, you know, Golden Sunset, another one is very good. Marengo Bay as well. Uh, the top four horses all went very well. Uh, but, yeah, great to see old anywhere. Hugo getting the money. Uh, eight-year-old now and and he's still racing you know at the top of his uh game he, he just you know you could see that the, the determination i suppose you could say at the top of the straight when she uh, let him rip that uh you know the old legs are, are still happy to get running and uh and run they did on saturday night but out of the race on black and black book and golden sunset um it should already be in there from a few weeks ago but this horse is it's just knocking on the door it just keeps running terrific races and going around a good odds week in week out so uh that's my black book out of that race but uh as you said sir patrick he's due for a win and uh and i think he's building right up to it as well 
He's a, he's a lovely horse, Sir Patrick. Um, it's worth mentioning this. So in the non-age-restricted races on Saturday night at Melton, there has been, and I've perpetuated this to a degree, uh, that it's becoming a young man's game, a young horse's sport in a way, in the way, in a way that it didn't used to be. Uh, once upon a time, you know, they um, like like Ruckman, they got better as they got older. But now there's um, now there's more young guns. But race one, Courageous Saint, eight years of age. Race two, Steel Screens, eight years of age. Then you have the age restricted races. Finn Frost, how old do you reckon? Eight. Imperial's reason five. Bulletproof boy, how old? Eight. Anyway, Hugo, how old? Eight. <laughs> <laughs> It is pretty amazing when you think about it, though, isn't it? It really is. But it just goes to show you how adaptable <laughs> our horses are. You know, they could just race for so long and at the top of the game to be, you know, eight-year-olds winning Metropolitan races. So, uh, you know, they're, they're certainly worth uh, getting into because you get a lot of time and runs for your money. We'll go to a break in a minute. Um, but I, I think, you know what, here's, here's maybe an opinion that, not everyone shares it, but I'll tell you what, with all, and I love the feature racing, don't get me wrong, it's magnificent. Breeders' crowns and Victoria Cups and Hunter Cups and Miracle Miles. But I'll tell you what I really love, and I reckon you'd be the same, Clevy. just week-to-week racing. I like getting back and having, that's why you've got all these eight-year-olds winning, that's why you've got these old warriors winning, because back to uh, normal run-of-the-mill Saturday night racing is, um, there's something... There's something even more beautiful about it in some ways because it's what we, we – we don't live and breathe off the feature racing every week right throughout the course of the year. We live and breathe off the racing day-to-day and week-to-week, don't we? We do, and, and I think you find a lot more competitive racing, like a lot more yep. closer finishes and a lot more interesting racing when it is that, and it's probably also better for doing your form as well yes. because it's the same horses racing the same horses – Quite often, it's barrier and speed map dependent on then who wins on that night. So, yeah, I, I love it. I, I think it's great racing. And, uh, you know, as I said, we always want feature races. Yes, we always want uh, champion horses going around. But uh, we certainly can't go forgetting about the week-to-week races of these horses because uh, they certainly um, they, they hold the game up, I suppose, to put the champions on their shoulders. And I think I think what you said about four I, – I... Doing the form for these meetings is often more enjoyable, I'll be honest with you, because... Um, it's a lot quicker, too. Well, it can, it can be, like, sometimes it is, sometimes it is, but sometimes when you're looking at those featured meetings, we've got to go for a break, but um, you, you you know everyone's going to have the same opinion, and you've got to work out, you're trying to look for an angle. In these sort of races, you can, if you do the work, and like you say, you get your map right, maps right, there's not a lot between them, is there? Usually, on a Saturday night, in, in these sort of programs... So it's more important to get your maps right and to get your exact form right. Whereas when you go to the fe- the feature cards, you know everyone's pretty much got the same opinion, and you're trying to come up with something quite often that isn't isn't real or isn't there simply to have an ulterior or you know an alternative opinion. Uh, you you yeah. could run Saturday night's meeting eight times and have yeah. six different winners for yep. the night. Like it'll just change every week. But I'll tell you what. They'd all be eight. We're going to go for a break, come back. We're going to do a – we'll certainly get the black bookers out and we'll have a 90-second chat about the Miracle Mile. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington and Steve Cleave. Is that Sierra again? Who? Oh, it's over, I'm sorry, Scando. Time to keep you 
Anyway, there was a race called the Miracle Mile on Saturday night. I think we will be talking about it very much. When's our hard out time? Tom Bang? Oh, we might. Uh, Black Bookers, first of all, Clavey. Uh, very quickly, Hiranya, Ferragano, Curly James, and Golden Sunset. I'm trying to check on mine now. I had um, Mirakuru for Steve Cleave, trainer driver. Uh, I'm throwing Shayala in there, Curly James, and that's the end of the penny section for me. Um, what do we really want to say? Was there any uh, the entire night? We'll start with the Miracle Mile. Um, I think it, you've outlined it really well. Andy's outlined it really well. It was a great win by Catchaway, but a great drive by Kate. When you think about those sectionals, for those who know um, what middle halves over the mile are like at the elite level at Menangle, um, she pinched it. Kate Gath. She certainly did. She uh, she took it on. Nobody uh, took her on and uh, won her the race. Uh, Spirit of St. Louis had the dream run and uh, had every possible chance to peel and uh, get past her, but uh, he just couldn't do it. Honolulu Bay, I thought was excellent. Um, David Brandt's copped a lot of slack on uh, Twitter over his drive, and, and I'm going to defend him to the end of the world. He, I, I don't think uh, he could have done anything differently. He won his heat last week in 149.3 this week. He's gone his own personal time of 149.04, and they've run the race in 148.08. He's been beaten by a quarter of a second in a much faster race and a race where it suited the leader uh, much better. So I don't think Honolulu Bay could have done anything more than what he actually did. And uh, I thought it was an absolutely excellent run. Can't Now, we know this isn't Captain Ravishing at his best, right? But you can't, you can't, almost can't knock any run on the race given the way it was, it was staged, can you? No, no. The um, you know, I mean, the only one Mac Dan needed to find the fence uh, once he couldn't cross. That was sort of going to make his job hard. Expensive ego had to work to get around them. You know, even though they weren't going overly quick in the you know the second quarter, it's still he would have been going a lot quicker um, to to make up the ground that he did. And uh, Brave Kelly was great. Hurricane Harley's he's gone super. I should say Honolulu Bay brilliant. Spirit of St Louis had every possible chance, but runs a play again in the Miracle Mile and catch a wave and Kate Gaff just too good. Now, we've got about 30 seconds on each of these, or a bit less. Elder Baron Zeus, he can no longer – we've just got got to stop talking about him as some sort of – he can't be underrated anymore, can he? No. You, I mean, look, he proved how good he was at Bendigo when he led in the, much, in the mile there, the Merry Mile. Um, he just he once he gets out in front and rolls like that, he's amazing. And he did that again Saturday night, one fifty two six, holding off Just Believe, who's probably the best trotter in Australasia at the moment. So uh, he is downright flying. Uh, Derby better be the best wins. Naturally, gets a very good, dangerous once again. Blew his chances at the start. It was a bit of a boring race. I don't, I don't yeah, well under the winner, yeah. but it was a bit of a boring race for me. Yeah, I actually didn't see that race, so I can't comment on. Did it. you see Bondi locked in? It wasn't Bondi locked in at his best. In that uh, group. far from it, but but he still wins. He's uh, it was great to see him win. I did back him, so that was that helped. But I think the real Bondi lockdown uh, still has the potential to be an absolute megastar, absolute freak megastar. But you wonder, I even so he wins the race, but you just wonder whether the, the things that have occurred with his uh, body over the over the journey are, uh, are going to limit. I hope they don't, but I wonder. 
Yeah, I was a bit worried about what he was doing up the straight. He was hanging out all the way. He almost locked wheels with the horse. I mean, the, the gap opened up straight away for him and he had plenty of time to get through but he just kept wanting to run up and and nearly locking wheels with the horse on his outside which normally horses hang in under pressure so hopefully there's nothing serious there but the real bond i looked down would have just blown them away and triple eight was terrific in that same race fun to be back with you clevy always fun but i was saying you can't go amazingly first up these days but maybe you can well done mate we'll don't go too hard you might not back up next week (laughs) we'll talk soon mate Cheers, brother. That has been Metrospective. Uh, Jay Bond's return here. Now, tomorrow, make sure to listen to Trot's Life because we're going to have a new Tuesday tutorial with Toddy Gray. And also tonight, I've got some bad news. I won't be in the loose flight, but Corey Smith and Mitchell Bay will be. Au revoir. Trackside coming up. The SEN.